Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And I want to just give you a little heads up here. If for some inexplicable reason you are a listener of Gear 30, but you are not currently subscribed to our Blister podcast, now would be a really good time to subscribe. Because this coming Monday, Bodie Miller is on the podcast. Yep, Bodie. And then the week after that, we've got a mystery guest in place. I'll talk about that person later. But then the week after that on the Blister podcast, Cody Townsend will be back on for our second round of reviewing the news. So, you know, on Fridays, you come here for the Gear 30 party, but on Mondays, things are happening over on our Blister podcast. So subscribe to that thing. And yeah, this Monday, Bodhi. It's going to be a good one. Okay, speaking of good ones, today we've got another edition of Shop Talk for you, where we talk with one of our blister-recommended shops to get their perspective on a mix of topics that range from broadly applicable to all of us, regardless of where we live, to topics that help us better understand what's going on in the specific local community that each shop serves. And this is another really good edition of Shop Talk, and it's really a very fun conversation with Eric German and George Michelson, two friends who started the Ski Monster. And you can stop by their very cool shop located at 60 Canal Street in Boston, Massachusetts, or you can check them out online at theskimonster.com. And in this conversation, we talk about how George and Eric met, and that story actually involves the baseball player Barry Bonds. We talk about how they're getting fired twice, that's right, twice, actually turned out to be a very positive development for them. And then we learn this phenomenal new bit of life advice about what to do when you get angry. And it really is one of the best ideas I've ever heard on our whole entire Gear 30 series of podcast episodes. So it was kind of an unintentional thing, but it's fantastic. Just think about it. It's great. And then there's a whole lot more talking kind of more specifically about what it's like running a ski shop in Boston and having a very kind of cosmopolitan audience and a lot of new skiers as well. And there's a whole lot of good thoughts, I think, that George and Eric share with us along those lines. Now, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by Spot Injury Insurance, and I'm pretty sure that if you are a fan of Gear 30, there's a good chance that you could use a little spot in your life. You know, because if you listen to Gear 30, that means that you're like probably not the dumbest person in your friend group. So you probably understand that crashes happen and accidents happen and that insurance is really expensive, maybe too expensive for some of us to even have. And then even if you do have insurance, your deductible is probably stupid high anyway. But Spot provides injury insurance that is actually affordable. It starts at $25 a month and covers you up to $20,000 each time you're injured. 
Your spot plan works whether you have health insurance or not, and it is a monthly subscription that works with any existing insurance plans you might have, and it works 24-7 worldwide. So to all of you good-looking geniuses who listen to Gear 30, head over to blister.getspot.com and get yourself some spot injury insurance. And then maybe do a good deed and, you know, like, tell your dumber friends to check it out too. And they should also head over to blister.getspot.com. And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with George and Eric of The Ski Monster. Here we go. Well, I am here with George and Eric. George, I want to start with you. How do you know Eric? So I, uh, we went to school together at uh, UMass Lowell, and uh, I don't know how I really ended up there as a kid from Minnesota, but I did, and uh, moved into the dorms, and um, across the hall, I wanted to make some friends, and there was a kid in there playing video games, so I introduced myself, and he was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Eric, and I go to say what's up to his roommate as well, and he's like, my name's Eric, and I'm like, I thought his name was Eric. Turns out there's two Eric's that lived across the hall at the same time. And it's complicated. It's tricky. Yeah. Two, two Eric's don't make a right, dude. <laughs> two Eric's with a C, too. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Eric Brayman. But um, yeah, we that was freshman year. And then we had a couple classes together and um, started hanging out, having lunch, drinking beers, playing drinking games. And then so, sophomore year, we were roommates. We were roommates from sophomore year in 2004 until 2013. So just a year before we opened the store. Okay. Eric, do you remember what video game you were playing when you first met George? Yeah, MVP Baseball. Yeah. EA Sports. It's a fantastic game. That's a fantastic game. I'm really psyched on you that you know. I like. I'm giving you well, like... It's- it's funny because I, I remember that game very specifically because I used to play with another kid who ended up being well, still one of our best friends all the time. And it was the it was a year where Barry Bonds didn't sign his rights to EA Sports. So the San Francisco Giants had this guy named Jim Dowd, who was just like just a fake player who was technically Barry Bonds, but he was like a cheat code. So you could just hit home runs with Jim Dowd every time. So it was like a thing like on our floor, like you can't play with the San Francisco Giants because every fourth batter, you're going to get a, hit a home run. So I'll never forget that video, ever. This is pretty great. Uh, <laughs> related question, do you guys, have you met any new friends since college or are you only homies like with the people that you met, you know, back on that floor? Is this like well, a, no, a new, of, uh, no new friends <laughs> rule here? Well, a lot of the people that... Uh, ended up working, you know, at Ski Monster uh, over the last, say, course of eight to ten years um, are all kind of our our new friends. Okay. <laughs> we ha- yeah. Okay, so you guys... We like- all work together. <laughs> we all lived together in college, and now we all work together in Boston. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a unique and fun, fun vibe we have here. Our best friends work here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, keep them close, right? I know that there is a pretty interesting backstory to the ski monster and so we now are at the point where you two have met each other brought together in a way by barry bonds sort of uh, and the fact that george ended up 
in a school that he doesn't know how he got to. I think we'll leave that one alone for now. Um, maybe for another time, we'll go down that. Go down That's that. a long story. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, so talk to me about how we go from, you know, hanging out on the same floor to eventually starting a, a ski shop and, uh, and, and online business. Yeah. So, um, in college starting, uh, sophomore year, uh, we worked at a, uh, ski shop and, um, you know, we just did, you know, what every ski shop kid does, mount skis, adjust skis, do ski leases, um, make sure the ski walls organized and, uh, sell some stuff every once in a while. <laughs> and we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we went to a ski demo for the first time. It was the, uh, the Stratton demo in uh, Vermont. And we were both there and it's crazy. You know, there's, you know, if you're at all into skiing, it's like the craziest thing ever. There's every single brand, there's tents. And then there's like the question, you know, that you get from, um, you know, the guy that's about to hand you your skis and he's like, boots sold in. And like your first time you hear that, you're like, I'm sorry, what? I don't, <laughs> what did you say? And, and, you know, as your, your, your very first demo ever, you know, super green, and you see all, like George said, you see all the tents, you see, you're like, this is insane. Like, this is so cool. You know, like I could just go up to whoever and just like ski on a new mantra. Like, oh my God, it's sick. And it, it so you just kind of takes over you. And that, you know, it, as a young college kid, you're like, dude, we should figure out how to keep doing this. <laughs> so we, uh, we went to that demo, we skied on a bunch of stuff. I think we were there for two days. We got back to our dorm room and we're probably drinking bush light or something like that Definitely. something really nice mm -hmm. and uh we were like dude these skis are so much different than the manufacturers were kind of saying and what everything we've read about skis yep. is actually saying yep. if we actually if we actually told people how you know like at the time you know this blizzard cmx relates to this alon wayflex versus the this vocal AC30, we could probably sell some skis on the internet. And so we kind of just thought about that for a little while and um, you know, looked at other websites and we're like, dude, this is just everything's amazing and let's just really kind of dive into this a little bit more. And I don't really know how we came up with a name. That was I maybe your one of our dads, I think, helped out. I, I think, yeah, it, we were just kind of like throwing around a bunch of random things, and and I think landed on Ski Monster one way or the other. Ultimately, it, you know, I think it was a pretty good decision. Uh, it, it was cool about that. I don't necessarily remember vividly how we landed on Ski Monster, but I remember the day at while well, we were you know at work at the, at the other skis that we were working at, and we got a box that came in, a box of stickers. It was our first box of stickers. And I opened it up and it was like the Ski Monster logo that said the skimonster.com, like on the, just like a four by four slap sticker. And I was like, oh my dude, we're like a real company now. We, we have like stickers. Sticker. Stickers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it, it's so funny. I remember that was like, like it was yesterday. And like, even to this day, when people are like, can I grab a sticker or whatever? I'm like, dude, this place was built on stickers. So yes, yeah, take as many as you like. So it, that, that part is kind of fun in the sense, like, especially when you, you kind of see it, you know, wherever you go, sometimes randomly, you're like, that's, that's pretty rad. By the way, George, it's funny you talking about like getting out on something and you're like, this isn't at all, this doesn't feel at all like what the manufacturer said, 
it would yeah. feel like. I was just talking, I think, last week on Gear 30 with with our reviewer, Paul Forward, and somebody asked us, like, you know, I don't know, if left to your own devices, if you weren't doing Blister, what would your quiver look like? And I think my answer was, I used to run a pretty big quiver because I was always cycling out the stuff I didn't like, right? Yeah. And, me, and now it's like I could be pretty happy as we're doing these you know, two ski quiver, three ski quiver things. Cause I know what the stuff actually does, but I, I was sort of, I think doing blister before I started blister because I just, all this stuff sounded like it was going to be game changing the best thing ever. And then you get on it and you're like, wait a second, that's not, that's not what this product is like at all. And so it was a lot right. of trial and error. And it sounds like you were, you had a similar experience. Oh yeah. And, uh, in, there was some, you know, underdogs in there, like maybe the, the marketing wasn't lining up, the graphic wasn't that great, or, you know, the name was stupid and sure that is a piece, you know, that we've learned over the years. It definitely helps sell skis, but that's not at all about how the thing actually is. And, you know, also like the thing we, figured out at that demo with Stratton was just like the biases people have in brands and that like, you know, vocal is always this one thing and it can never depart or no one can have anything that would encroach on, you know, this, what vocal is. And that just wasn't true. And it's proven to be untrue. Every demo we go to and every ski test we, we do. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, we've learned that, George is originally from Minnesota and just randomly made it out east. Where are you from? So I'm originally from Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay. So I grew up about, you know, hour and a half, two hours just west of Boston. Um, and so everyone from, from the west, western part of, of Massachusetts usually goes to UMass Amherst, uh, which is like, you know, the big school here in the state of Massachusetts. I, I deferred and wanted to go east, so I, I went to... UMass on the other side of the state, and that's you know where George and I have met. Um, and then you know to kind of like build a little bit on what George was saying on our origination story together. Yeah. So once we started both working kind of in the in the industry, occasionally selling things, tuning skis, <laughs> uh, you know, we started to ski a lot. You know, and that's when you you you, you know we get, get to Stratton and we start to talk about what skis are skiing well and, and what skis aren't. Um, and then you kind of just have this you know, growing thing inside of you. You're like, well, this is, this is pretty cool. Let's keep skiing. Let's try to tell people what actually skis well, and maybe we can sell some stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we sold some stuff. Yeah. Probably because of those stickers, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that's four not... by four white vinyl slap. Bang. Every time. Perfect. That first batch of stickers was like 300 bucks. And that feels, <laughs> that was a lot of money back then. Yep. That was crazy. Solid, turned out to be a solid investment though. I think. <laughs> So talk a little bit about sort of where you used to ski and where you're kind of skiing the most these days. Uh, a lot in northern Vermont, Sugarbush and Stowe. I think we all speak for both of us in that. We really like to ski both those places. Um, it's, they're, they're awesome. The terrain is great. And the, the, the town, there's just good vibes up there. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think, you know, the last several years especially, a, a lot of our skiing has really been kind of all over split between here and west colorado jackson and we discovered british columbia you know four years ago and that place is just awesome awesome 
if only BC got any snow ever, though, right? I mean, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> it's known for the groomers, <laughs> right? The groomer highway is sick. Yeah, <laughs> the, the groomer <laughs> highway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And one place in particular is is Red Mountain, which we found ourselves going to, you know, more than I probably ever thought we would. Hmm. Um, and you know, recommending Red Ma- Red Mountain to other people just because it's kind of like a unique, pretty rad spot between the town of Roslyn and you know what that offers and the skiing is is insanely sweet. All right, I want to take us back for a minute here. Um we we've, <laughs> we've talked about, you know, the incredible business decision to make some stickers and that how that really launched, you know, a, a whole career here. I guess I want to hear you talk a little bit about like the move to try to start developing an online presence, right? Cuz you were this started it's a bit unusual in starting online and then opening up your physical shop. Yeah. So, I mean, to, in our heads, it was easier to create something online than open up a physical store. I mean, we were two kids that were making, you know, $9 an hour. You know, there's no way we could open up anything. So, um, we knew that, if we were, we could figure out how to make a website. So, uh, actually that was pretty wild. We, uh, (laughs) we, so we found this website that we liked, um, in the whole, uh, uh, the, the builder did a bunch of stuff in the nightlife world and, uh, we hit them up and, the price of a website, you know, they kind of got us on the hook with, okay, this is going to cost $2,000. And then the conversation goes further. This is $20,000. And then we're working our way up to 40, 50 north of a hundred. And this is back in, um, 2007. And we're like, holy crap, we don't, we don't have enough money to do something like that. <laughs> and so then talked to a couple other people. We, found this firm that ended up coincidentally being in Minneapolis. And I talked to this guy, Trevor, and told him about all the lofty things we wanted Ski Monster to be, how people were going to find products, how they were going to do this and everything. And he's like, yeah, George, so that's great. Just give me uh, 48 hours. This is a lot to go through. I'm going to come back with an estimate for what this is going to cost. And I was like, sounds great. And I I tell Eric, I'm like, dude, got this guy. I think this is going to be awesome. I think... This is good. He was really reasonable. Trevor gives me a call back and he's like, yeah, George. So going through everything, this is a pretty big project. It's going to be about $400,000. I'm like, what? $400,000? What year is this? This is 2008. 2008, a website for 400 grand. I mean, so all the back end stuff that would happen, you know, like it's not just the front end, like slapping something together you know, just content, like how are people finding certain things? How are we filtering and narrowing things down? So I was like, Trevor, all right. So clearly this is pretty expensive. What can we do for about 12,000 bucks? And we can't give you any of that right now. (laughs) Perfect. These are IOUs. (laughs) So we paid them a thousand bucks a month for the first year. And uh, the first ski we sold was maybe like six or seven months after the website was up. We were we were <laughs> we were sitting 
This is in the BlackBerry days. So you know like how in the BlackBerry days, if you got an email and it was to the same account, how you'd get the email at the exact same time, it wasn't like the iPhone, like there would be like a delay from like the push notifications. So we're sitting there at the peddler's daughter in New Hampshire eating really good mac and cheese, good breadcrumbs. It was so good. I don't know what we had for a beer, but our phones ring and it says online order. And then, you know, like some 10 digit invoice number. So it looks like we sell a bunch of stuff (laughs) (laughs) and we see an order and it was for a forefront click in a 168 or 169. For some reason, I can't remember the size. And we both look at each other. We're like, holy shit, dude, dude. We are going to be freaking rich, dude. <laughs> we just sold a ski. We just made like $500. Yep. And then uh, Eric's like, dude, do we call him? I'm like, we can't call him. It's like 10 o'clock at night. We can't call him. Dude, we got to go box it up. Let's go box the ski up. And right then we now. don't even have boxes. <laughs> so then we had to figure out how to get boxes. And uh, <laughs> then we went to uh, we FedEx and we Yeah, that was the first we one. We shipped that thing, yeah. So wait a second. This is fantastic, first of all. Um <laughs> Talk a little bit about the fact that you have gone six months without a ski sale. Was this a bit nerve wracking or were you like, no, no, that's cool. It When you open up an online ski retail business, you need to wait six months before selling your first ski. What what were you thinking at this point? Well, well so at that time, we were working at a, a ski shop and we had an arrangement where um, we didn't have to pay for product until it's sold. So we didn't have any risk. Um, and so, and as you know, you know, the industry is, 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 is pretty tight. So, you know, just calling up a ski manufacturer to buy some skis, you know, you, that just doesn't happen. You know, it's not like calling, you know, free to lay, you know, like it just doesn't work out like that. So the initial arrangement was, Hey, you know, inventory is here. Here's another outlet to sell it. This is, this is, this is what we think we can do. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay, yeah. so that's very nice when you can open a business with zero risk. I mean, aside from the thousand a month you're throwing down on the website, that five hundred bucks from that forefront went a long way. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> I also want to know how you got what was his name, Trevor? You got Trevor sure. down from four hundred thousand dollars to twelve grand. Well, the website was significantly <laughs> it was, less than what we wanted. It was pretty basic. So, uh, well, the funny thing about Trevor is that, is that Trevor is still, he's still here. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor is part of the team. So he's full ski monster, which is awesome. So he's been with us since the very first, very first line of code, which is kind of fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Well, shout out to Trevor. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your flexibility there, Trevor. (laughs) 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 Um, well, fantastic! So you sell your uh, you sell a forefront click. You we can, sold a forefront click. Yeah, you you go you know pop the dom Perignon because you can tell at that point you're going to be loaded. Um, yep. And yeah, then, we blew all the money on the forefront <laughs> on a bottle of champagne. Yeah, yeah it was gone that night. They yeah. actually might have. <laughs> I, I believe you. It's a lot of bush light. Um, so then what? So fast forward a, a little bit. Um, so we started to sell some stuff, which was really, really great. Um, and the agreement that we had with the with our current, uh, I will say, like inventory partner at the time, kind of ran its course um, as of that would have been February 
2012. February 17th, 2012. February 17th, 2012. Um, And then when that inventory relationship kind of ended, um, we were, we were kind of out searching for, for another opportunity, whether that was going to be, okay, do we find another re, re, um, inventory relationship with another retailer or do we do a brick and mortar route? Like we were kind of, our, our options were up in the air. At well, the time. so actually what we, on that, that day, and I mean, this is a part that, well, unless you are someone that works here and probably not even everyone that works here knows this anymore, but Eric and I, uh, we did a bunch of consulting for Del Bello from 2010 until 2013, maybe. Yeah. Yep. So we launched Del Bello's social media uh, for them, and um, so we call. We went, you know, that afternoon. We they were just up the road in uh, Andover, New Hampshire, and we met with them and uh, Clint Lyons, the president of. Was it Del Bello and Lon, or was it just? I, I think Bello at that time? time it was just Del Bello. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he said, "If you guys want to open a store, I'll help you do that. I'd finance you guys opening a store. You guys are, you know, uh, great at what you do. I believe in you." And um, he's like, "I think you guys should open up something in Southern New Hampshire." And that was a really uh, good thing to hear at that time because. we had someone that was a big deal in the ski industry that uh, believed in us. And um, we're like, you know, maybe we do have something here. And that was, that was good to help us keep moving forward. Um, And then while we were going through that um, for a couple weeks, we got a phone call for a similar deal that we were in before. It was with just a lot more inventory and um, we saw the inventory and we're like, we can start making money tomorrow. We should take this. And, and that's essentially what, what, what got us to Boston. Okay. Yeah. And, and, that, and that relationship, um, that inventory relationship lasted until the spring of 2014. Um, and that's when, when that one ended, we were like, okay, you know, we feel like we have enough established both with, you know, the brands, um, and, you know, the local, you know, area reps, as far as like, you know, on the East coast side of things that like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get people to vouch for us as far as, as far as getting product, if we decide to open up our own store and then that's when Ski Monster Boston kind of came to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems to me that somewhere along the line, some people misunderstood the potential of the internet. Is that a fair thing to say here in, in understanding your story? Yeah. Um, you know, that was, I mean, that was part of the reason that um, we got let go in February of 2012. I think you mean fired. I think fired is the term you're looking for. We were fired. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> fired is exactly what happened. We're right. no longer allowed to work there. Okay. We got fired in the parking lot, honestly, is what happened. So, uh we it was a it was an ominous day, and we took a left um, onto the the road, and this guy when he is having a bad day or just things aren't going well if he's mad he picks up trash right, and he was picking up trash in the middle of the road not even the parking lot not even the store, 
and Eric and I rolled in and we're like, this is going to be fucking bad. <laughs> so Eric parks his truck and uh, he comes over and we're like, what's going on, dude? And he's like, nothing. And we're like, that's weird. You're walking over here <laughs> like you need to say something. And you're just picking up trash. We know you're mad. <laughs> like, that's the so, weirdest cue I've ever heard of, by the way, for someone being upset. Though oh, I, yeah. Though I will say, if every time, if whenever we all got mad, if we went and picked up trash, this the world would be a far better place. It, yeah. 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 That's true. I never thought of it that way. Right? That's actually yeah. very true. So, uh, he he's like, so, um, you guys are done. I got to let you go. And we're like, okay, when? Like at the end of the season? Or he's like, no, right now. Like and we're today. like, hmm. okay. And uh, he's like, you guys aren't mad? And it, it was knowing him, we knew that this day was coming because he he wasn't okay that our brand was became larger than his. But we were thinking more globally. And he was just thinking about, you know, impressing his literal next door neighbors or the ski shop next door. So we weren't that surprised and he was upset that we weren't upset. And then he's like, well, you guys can kind of come back. And he's like, you can leave your stuff here or whatever. And then that's when we went up to Del Bello, um, where we were consulting at the time and, uh, Clint Lyons and, uh, Matt Titus, who's now at, uh, Roxa and Scott Russo and Scott Russo. Kind of funny, actually. Uh, they, Matt, Ru- <laughs> Scott Russo and Matt were actually the guys that hired us initially to do the WL social media. And as kind of time, time went on, they went on to different projects. And it was kind of funny that obviously, you know, Scott's, you know, at, at, at Nordica and Matt's at Roxa. And it's a, obviously a very small world. It's a small world. <laughs> so we, we left that partnership, thought we were going to open a store on our own in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. And we didn't. And we went into another partnership with another retailer that lasted really only two years. And we got another taste of slightly higher end retail, but we're still learn we're learning, you know, exactly what not to do in this business, which was, um, it was helpful, you know, to learn from someone else's mistakes. It would be in any scenario, but that was, that was, that was nice. So we were essentially exposed in the, in the second, in the second partnership, um, inventory partnership, you know, that exposed us to, to Boston and the potential that Boston could, could really, you know, bring to, to any, any ski retailer that, that wasn't the one that we were at. Um, just cause like to build on what George just said, the mistakes that were happening, it was, it were simple things. Um, but clearly no one really cared. And so that two years, you know, spring of 14, when, you know, we were, um, what'd you say before? Like, no, fired. fired. We were fired. Fired, I think fired. is the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, you, you said fired, so we'll go with that. We were fired uh, again, uh, which was great. Uh, that was that was kind of the, the, the last straw for us. And uh, we, we, we wanted to open Ski Monster Boston, and, and that's, what, that's what we did. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so that was, that was a pretty crazy few months because that happened in very end of April, 2014. Um, when we knew ski monster Boston is 
it needs to happen and we need to go through with some of these spaces that we started looking at in January because Eric had a, a bad feeling in his stomach, uh, which, you know, um, he gets quite often. It's true. <laughs> Eat a lot of burritos. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and what's funny is like the first space that Eric actually um, showed, showed me is the one that we're sitting in right now. And that was back in January of 2014. And we probably looked at maybe like 30 plus spaces that, that, you know, spring, summer, um, we were on a pretty condensed timeline as you, as you probably can imagine, you know, we, we are out of that last, the last, uh, um, inventory partnership really in May. And as you know, how the industry works, everyone's books are kind of closed. We were, op- you know, we were like, no, we need to open in the fall. So we, we had, we really had June, July and August to find a space get a lease, get as much equipment as we could, build it out, and get people to show up to a new ski shop in the middle of of, of, a, of downtown Boston. Yeah. It, was, it was it was kind of wild, to be honest with you. It was it was crazy. So, like, so we hit up you know all these manufacturers, all these relationships that we've had really for the last ten years, and you know all of them for them. I would say let's just say ninety percent of the brands are like. George, Eric, we got you guys back. That's awesome. Let us know when you have an address. We're going to help you get some product in there. We're going to do what it takes. And we're like, that's great. Well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but What, they so, just wouldn't return your emails or phone calls? No, 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 no. no. So they're like, once you get the space, <laughs> once you have an address, it's going to be easier to figure out with the credit managers so we can actually ship you something just like with the weird paperwork. Sorry, it's like so weird. And we're like, okay, that's fine. We trust you guys. We've known you for this long. That's all cool. So we figure out how to get this space. And that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. And we needed to ask family members for a bunch of money because this guy that owns this brownstone in Boston, and we, you know, we have 11,000 square feet here, yeah. he wanted a security deposit. So we obviously didn't have any money. So we have to ask some family members for some help. They believed in what we were doing. We were told that we had vendors that were going to support us. So we had some family members that helped us out, pay for the security deposit. Bill Colby, who owned the building at the time, leased us the space. And we get the space. And I mean, it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's awesome. And then we call all the brands like, so like, what do we have to do next? And we're like, oh, well, we, we didn't actually think you guys were going to do it. And we're like, <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me, dude. Like, we got to fill this fucking just thing signed up. a lease. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so can we buy product? And they're like, oh, oh no, yeah, no, you can't buy product. No, yeah, no. We, we, wait, we didn't think we didn't wait, think wait, wait, wait. You, can, you can't buy product because they'd already cleared out their inventory or they were like, we don't trust you. <laughs> now, you know what? I think it was, it was a combination of a lot of things. Most, the, the biggest thing is that a lot of people just really didn't think we were, that we were going to actually do this. And now that, you know, they can use any excuse they want at the time that like, Oh, you know, our books are closed. Oh, you know, distribution issues. We're like we're in downtown Boston. I mean, there's 
what do you mean? There's a million people here. Yeah. There's no distribution issues. We were just in another another uh, store in, in New Hampshire with three or four ski shops all carrying the same stuff within two miles of each other. Yeah. That was that was an issue that we had initially. So we we uh, yeah we were we were the brands we had year one were, were it was pretty tight. Fun is that when we we, we brought in head boots, Dalbello boots, Fisher boots, um, and that was it. That's all. That's all we could get. Like year one as a brick and mortar, and then literally within two months they were all gone. So we we're like, oh, yeah, so we were reordering we're, boots every every seven days. That was crazy. Wow. And then we, at some time, at some points, we couldn't wait until the next day to get boots. So we were literally driving, you know, to Del Bello to go get boots and fit as many in our, you know, the biggest car that we had at the time, which could hold maybe like 40 boots and then come back, sell them all. And then, yeah. Those were the early days. I mean, you kind of, it, it actually, you kind of started by selling boots, I guess to, you know, go back to part of the reason that, uh, we really started the ski monster, um, and, you know, knew that we could do this whole thing in, uh, retail brick and mortar was we actually give a fuck. Mm. Like we care about the customer and honestly in this business that doesn't really exist it's, it's, uh, there's not a whole lot of competition in that realm. I mean, there's not even like, uh, 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 with the exception of, you know, internet retailers, the brick and mortar, they don't even have return policies. Yeah. You know, you have to bring it back in seven days for a refund or 14 days for store credit. After that, see you later. Have a nice, yeah, good luck. Well, that's not cool. And then they don't really, it's more about getting the product out of the door versus, let's you know start this relationship and there's more than just this one transaction there is there can be more and we want you to have a good time on the hill and if you if we can make sure that a customer has a good time on the hill and understands the product that they're on they're going to tell people mm-hmm. and we're going to get people in here and that was really what we realized after that first stratton demo is that we just need to be honest with people about how this stuff is if we do that, everything else works out. So we started with that online and then we did that in store and it's, it's worked. And I mean, we've even gone through, you know, some craziness in the last 12 months, like every person has in the world. Um, but because we were built on that foundation of, you know, just doing right by people, it's made, you know, reopening and all that stuff much easier yeah and and that really leads to like a really awesome product mix right if you if you really are focusing on that kind of stuff you know people want to try on and look at and touch and feel like what is what's hot like like what is cool like what what are all these brands you know sinking their teeth into as far as technology and like what is solomon building this year that they're that they're marketing that that, that they're excited about you know and what what's you know, what blister says or powder or free skier, like they want to come and see that stuff, you know? And I, and I think that's kind of rare for, uh, for a lot of, a lot of brick and mortar places, um, especially here on the East coast that like, you know, a lot of people are, are chasing, you know, the, the low end and it's a race to the bottom, the race to the bottom, you know? And, and here it's like, yeah, you want to try on the technical coaches, 130, the Hawks ultra, 
130. Like, yeah, we have, we have everything that you saw in the magazine. Even if you don't want to try it, if you just want to see it and touch it and feel it. Like it's here, which, which is super fun. So that's pretty interesting. A minute ago, you just said that you are seeing in a lot of ski shops, a kind of race to the bottom when it comes to price. Is that because there are quite a few ski shops on the East Coast and people are just like, well, I guess if we're going to differentiate ourselves, we just have to win on being cheap. You know, I, I, I guess I wouldn't limit it to the, the East Coast because we're fortunate enough to go to um, quite a few focus groups where we see, you know, like even a yes, an email we got yesterday was for 2023 product prototyping stuff. So stuff happens way in advance and you have these meetings with all these other retailers. And the Ski Monster is a weird thing in those uh, deals because uh, we started this recently. We didn't get this from our dad. We didn't get this from our grandpa. It wasn't someone else's passion. This was ours. And our competitors or colleagues, whatever you would like to call them, for the most part, um, they're doing this because it's convenient, not because they actually want to. And they're kind of just in a survival type thing where, you know, I just need to move boots. I can't, I don't want to spend the time actually talking about something. I'm just going to literally take the excitement out of this whole thing. And here's this cheap thing for $199. It can do everything a $700 boot camp. That's not true. Well, and, and they, I, I feel like across the board, a lot of people just get stuck in their own ways. You know, like, you know, this is how we do business. This is why we do business this way. This is the ski industry. We're not going to change. That's how it is. And un- unfortunately, like that's not necessarily the best way to handle things. You know, I mean, look, I mean, just from a, from a manufacturer side of things, like look at, I look at Jason, Jay Lev and what he's been able to do. Obviously he changes the whole, the whole game and, and he's crushing it. But the, on the retail side of things, it's, it's not nearly as common um, to see such, such dramatic change. Like everyone feel, I feel like just buys the things they always buy. And then that's the way of the world, you know? Uh, and, you know, we, we see that a lot here in the sense of like, people are like, oh, I went to like five or six other stores today and all they had was, you know, hundred flex boots. Yeah, I come, he- I come here and I can try everything that was recommended and all the ski review mags. And this, this is really pretty cool. So, and it's fun to be able to see that, you know, being in like a major city, how many people, you know, give you that feedback, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking that around the East coast, there certainly are some shops that are particularly known for, say, their boot fitting or are a kind of legacy shop that has a bit more of like a racing heritage to it. Where do you guys locate the Ski Monster on kind of this spectrum, right? I guess on the one hand, we might have this really kind of progressive new wave type of product that you're selling versus stay in with more of a old world European race focused kind of shop. How do you think about that? Where would you put yourselves on that continuum? You know, I guess I, I, I guess I've never thought about that continuum per se, that, that spectrum, but we base our, our customer is really a forever 30 year old. You know, they could be 23 and really have their shit together. And, you know, 
want to get out there. I mean, they're they're into the sport. They could also be. I mean, I'm thinking of one of our customers that lives a few blocks away. He's he's 91 years old, and he's into the coolest stuff there is. He is he is just as much a 35 year old as you know anybody else that walks in. It's true because I think we we think of it more of like on the consumer side, right? I, I know I know I do, right? So it's like. I don't necessarily want to like pigeonhole ourselves into being a store that does, you know, one thing or the other. You know, we just want to provide an awesome experience to the consumer when they come in here, whether it's buying, you know, whether they want to buy it, like we keep talking about things that are in the magazines or they want to try on or look at some really cool, fun clothing brands that they're not going to find anywhere else. Like ultimately we are just trying to provide the best experience possible for a consumer at a ski shop. And, you know, part of that, part of that experience you know, once they're here, you know, talking to s- staff, and I, I want to touch on another thing regarding staff uh, in a moment, but um, uh, we, we really, with anything that someone could be buying, and it doesn't have to be limited to skiing, you, the person that's advising you has to be listening to what it is your needs or priorities are. And, you know, because we have such a, you know, diverse population around here of people, skiers, what have you, we might attract people that really kind of aren't our focus. You know, they can look at certain ski walls, our ski wall, which I'm looking at right now. And it's, it's a lot of wide stuff and that might seem foreign to them, but you know, we don't display everything we have and we can talk about what's best for them. And if we don't have it, Here's where you should go to go get it. And, you know, like, uh, you ever see the movie Miracle on 34th Street? Yes, a long time ago. Okay, so a lot of Ski Monster stuff is actually based off of that. Where, is it, it was the dude at Macy's? Yeah. And he was, he, the, the customers came in and they're like, we don't carry this. But you know where you can find that? Is over here. And what that person is going to remember is we're a resource for that. If I'm not sure, if... Maybe maybe the ski monster does it, but you know what? I'm going to hit them up first because they know where I'm supposed to go. And if that person has a good experience there, great, great recommendation. But they're still going to come back here, and we got that guy some business. All good. So that kind of went off on a little I, tangent there. I love but. that you just brought in Miracle on 34th Street. I did not Tis see that season, one. Dude. I did not see that one coming. So thank you. No for one that. did, dude. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I love that. I mean, we've talked about that before on some of our other like shop talk podcasts. It's just like, I think we've, I've said in the past, like every time a customer walks in the door, you are going to kind of go in the plus one column in terms of trust, or it's going to be kind of a minus one. And I think like just being straight up and being like, Oh, if that's what you're looking for, there's a better place who can probably help you better than what we than with what we currently have just do that every time and i think in the long game it's always going to be because if you start compromising on that trust i think you're screwed yeah agreed honesty is the best policy man it really it really helps out and it just it it everyone will have a better experience and then you don't have some sales guy that's just trying to figure out how to there's no over-promising and under-delivering. You just avoid that entirely. Some of the shops that you know we talk with are more backcountry-focused shops. 
Some of them are a bit more race focused. Some of them are maybe rolling a bit more park or freestyle focused. Are you guys trying to play in all of those different categories? I mean, everything really, I mean, we don't do any race. So, so race is, is not something that we do here. Um, from skis to boots, we just, we don't offer anything like that. Um, but as far as like backcountry type of equipment and free ride type stuff, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely play in, in all those categories. Uh, and I'm sure everyone that you talk to, um, other stores, especially now, like, you know, the backcountry stuff, if it wasn't already, you know, working for them, it's probably starting to work for them now. Do you guys carry the head Raptor 140 RS boot? Uh, not for 2021. We did up until 2020. Okay. Um, so if I need that boot, you'd send me down the street to Macy's. To, no, 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 no. We no. are the Macy's. No, we're, we're the Macy's. No, we're the Macy's. We're going to send you, we're going to send you to Nordstrom. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering, I just was skiing that boot again today and I still really like that boot. So, you know, it's just me though. I wonder if you guys have a take on how you handle negative feedback or disappointed customers, that kind of a thing. Cause, and I'll go, I'll go first here. <laughs> My take on this is I definitely do not believe that the customer is always right. I think half the time customers are morons and they should <laughs> shut up and, and like, you know, um, and it, the fault is theirs. But sometimes the customer is right, and sometimes we do screw up or you know, one's own business or shop or whatever makes a mistake. Over the years, have you guys come to figure out a sort of policy for, you know, you get the, the, the terrible Yelp review or something like that, or, or somebody bursts through your doors and they're super upset about how something went down? Do you, have you developed a kind of I don't know, policy or position on how to handle such things? Well, I think, you know, with the, like a one-star thing or a, a, any negative thing that happens, they're, fortunately, they're fewer and far between, but they're also very different that they're, they're case, it's all case by case. And then it's like, okay, this person is really mad um, let's just try to boil it down to figure out what they're actually mad at because what they may have said they're initially really mad at, like thinking about a person busting through the door when that used to be a thing um, before appointment only, uh, you know, like they, they might be mad in an assortment of things. Like they, they couldn't find a parking spot. The traffic on the way here sucked and um, it's raining and all they really want to do is get a price match. So like it's hold on, let's just think about what the variables are. All right. We need a price match this thing. Cool. You actually didn't need to come here to do that. You could have called Molly. She would have taken care of that over the phone. You know, I mean, that's, that would be an example. And that's, I would say probably the most common thing is people overcomplicating a situation to get to a result. That's going to, you know, make them happy yeah satisfy their their needs i guess but yeah i mean i mean we we both agree with what you're saying the customer is definitely not always right you know um but then there are times where you screw up you know you just have to say hey man re really apologize about that let's, let's let's make it right um luckily for us that is few and far between which which is great a uh, knock on wood of course uh but but you know 
referencing what you asked about reviews online, I mean, I, I, the best policy really is to let, to let the consumers decide, in my opinion. You know, I mean, you, you have 10 five stars, you have one one star, and you read the one star, you read the five stars, you're like, well, that person was probably just mad that they didn't get a price match right away. You know, yeah. I mean, it's pretty pretty simple. You know, so as, as long as your, your positive reviews outweigh your negative reviews, and if you actually take the time to read through those things, I, I think it's best policy just, again, default to the consumer. Yeah, and like because uh, you only do more harm than good, right? Yeah, unless unless of course you really did mess up and you need to reach out to that person and make it right. Um, but any other time, I mean, if someone's just ranting to rant, like I mean, it, I mean, we all use review sites. Whether we're in a different city, that's how you find restaurants, how you find a, a bar. You, you know, you you rely on those things. So it's like a double edged sword, you know. And it and sometimes you read some reviews and it's like, oh man, it was like the best spicy tuna roll I've got in my life. But the hostess was was very very rude. You know, two stars. Like, well, that's not very fair. You know, it, 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 and it happens. You know, in the restaurant world, obviously, but it also happens in the, in the ski world as well. And you just got to kind of, you know, pick your spots. Yeah, but you know, like with the like one star reviews, and this goes for every industry. But people are going to be more vocal with the negative stuff than they are the positive stuff. You know, on those platforms. I mean, they're plenty vocal. You know. Uh, friend friend or in conversation like you need to go check this place out that's where the messaging goes the word of mouth but you know a lot of that positive stuff never makes it onto the the internet for any business yelp with their unrecommended reviews i mean that that's just total bullshit wait yelp with their <laughs> unrecommended reviews i don't go oh, on yelp really so I, you've got to tell me what's up here well, it really sucks when you have to change your hours. So like if I change the store hours for the ski monster, there will be a dramatic uh, increase in our five-star reviews that were previously unviewable, right? Once the guy calls and uh, says, do you want to do this Yelp thing? And, you know, we can filter out this stuff, this stuff, this stuff. And we're like, nope, oh. I have no interest in doing anything. Oh, we're not doing anything. And then the amount of total reviews we have goes down. Oh, okay. Like the pay like to play, game. scrub your, okay. Kind of. But like if you're. They're still there. They're they're there. But yeah. you can't see them. It, it's, it's like a weird little link at, at the bottom of the page. It says reviews that Yelp currently does not recommend. And they'll just hide reviews. You won't be able to see them unless Got you it. actually know where to find it. And it, it's not just us, obviously. It's everybody. But I, I just think that forum for that kind of stuff i mean i think it's total bullshit yeah well you think that because it is yeah totally so, exactly checks out <laughs> i want to talk about gear a bit here true or false the majority of the customers that you guys are lining up with the right equipment these are people skiing in new england not just new england yeah so that i mean gosh so many it's funny how many tangents you go on these things. I know, right? It, it is kind of crazy. So that was part of the reason for putting the store here was that people in Boston that would shop here don't necessarily have to ski here. They will if it snows, but they're going to go wherever the experience is great. So like the majority of people that shop here, with the exception of this year, um, it's safe to say 40% minimum of those days are 
West. And I'm being very conservative in that number of just being 40%. There is a large percentage where they don't ski here at all. They, they'll fly to Salt Lake every weekend or whenever there's a storm um, or just heli ski um, or we'll just ski in. I mean, they don't even go West. They only ski in the Alps. So it's the full gamut of skiers. I mean, that, and that's what's so awesome about being in, in, you know, a major city, you know, you, you get such a, like a broad range of, of people who ski, where they ski, what they ski on, um, that it, it makes it pretty fun in, in the sense of like, when you talk to people, you have that finger on your pulse, like, wow, this, I've had three guys today. Awesome. Awesome families. They, they don't ski here at all. And you you never know that unless you're here talking to them and helping them with, with equipment, you know? Well, right. And they, 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 they don't necessarily even live here. So they could, yeah. they might fly from, uh, Colorado, Seattle, uh, Europe, Europe, uh, quite a bit from Singapore, um, to so. buy stuff here and they don't ski in the States. They've never skied here. So um, wait, they're coming over and they're here maybe on business or something. Business or their kids go to school here because Boston is such a huge hub for colleges. Um, so they, it, you know, we have all the equipment that they're looking for, um, and they come here and, and you know buy it and take it back. Or they they're here for the the weekend with their kids, and maybe they're going to ski for a weekend and then go back to where they're from. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, but it ends up being a part of the ski monster. Ends up being a part of their their trip. Huh. Um, so it, it's. Yeah, to, to just repeat, Eric, it's it's cool. We get everybody. Yeah, and I guess that just answers what. Well, my next maybe terrible question, given what you've just said, I'm a little bit curious. Like, how often is somebody walking into the shop who hasn't ever skied before or has skied very little? Uh, quite a bit. Okay, um, so. Like, uh, it, it, this is what baffles me with certain like SIA numbers. Like when they talk about how there's not new skiers and stuff huh. like that. And the fact that, you know, we have four people, unique people that just fit boots. And then you have, you know, all the ski sales people. And, um, then there's the snowboard side of things. And then there's clothing, right? Cause clothing people might be, uh, renting gear, but they need a helmet goggles. And there's all these people who have never skied before. They're, um, maybe, maybe they're from, uh, uh, China. They're coming to school here. They've heard the skiing is really cool and they just want to know, um, where they should go and what they should have. And that's, I mean, from our perspective, skiing really seems like it's growing because we see, I mean, if no one else is seeing, the new people that have never ever skied before, we're seeing all of them. They're, and there's they're all coming into the ski monster. Every single day. Every and, day. Yeah. And SIA does not ask us for any numbers. So, we're too uh, new. I don't know where they get their numbers. I love this. No, I, lo I, lo I love this. Okay, well, share with us then, I don't know, anything you've learned one or two things we should know or understand or to the other shops out there listening to this right now, what are some of the things you feel like you've learned if you've got this steady stream of newbies to the sport where you're like, do this every time or please don't do that or whatever? 
So what, what we've really learned <laughs> from pe- people, like foreigners from either Europe or, or Asia, um, especially like the students, the Japanese students and the Chinese students, they actually, they like to own their own equipment, which is, which is pretty awesome. I mean, whether they skied one time or they're just going up for the weekend for the first time, I mean, we help probably a student every single day um, that wants to go try snowboarding that's never snowboarded before, but is going to buy a full snowboard kit to go snowboarding for the first time. And I think that's fairly unique um, in, in the sense that it doesn't happen a, a, a lot of other places with Americans, you know, but foreign, foreign students, you know, they want to have their own equipment and, and they come in and they purchase it before they go, which is, which is pretty rad for us. Yeah. And the, the other really interesting thing with like um, the, Asian clientele specifically is they really want to master this craft of skiing and they are, um, not so like, uh, budget conscious. They want to know that this is the best thing for me now. Okay. Is this going to last forever? No, that's okay. So I'll grow into a next thing. How do I know once I'm at that phase and when do I do this other thing? Okay. Should I really just skip to this? No, they they think much more logically and it's just about a progression and they're okay with it costing more. Um, they just want to know what is best for them to have a good time and progress. Um, and that that's very backwards from, you know, like, I mean, (laughs) even coming from the ski shop that we were in New Hampshire, where you have, you know, um, American parents where they hope you can get two years out of something. Um, or maybe you think you can maybe get three, three maybe. or just in general, just are just being budget conscious, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's okay. But what's, what's nice is, you know, to build what Georgia said, it's really refreshing when you have like a, a new wave of, of, you know, skiers that obviously aren't from this country originally that are getting into the sport that are listening to what you're, what you're saying and are open to purchasing stuff that's best for them right now, which is really, really fun. And, you know, like they're, I guess, you know, some advice I would have for other stores um, and manufacturers, anyone in this business is like, they, they actually want to be in this. They want to be involved in this. And there are questions that might seem dumb, but we've, we've made this whole thing so complex as a whole where for some reason, even jackets have been marketed with, uh, ability levels. That's ridiculous. And the, because that marketing exists, they ask that question. And that sounds stupid when it's being asked, like, should I even have this jacket? I'm not an expert. Helmets, helmets, help. Wait a second. I mean, I'm familiar with various, you know, ratings in terms of breathability and water resistance, weather resistance. But I think I've missed the like, this is an expert jacket or expert helmet. I think, you know, you would have to. um, Or is this more the behind the scenes, like sort of the, the product manufacturers when they're giving shops sort of literature about how to think about products almost like in the at the clinic level where the rep is trying to explain Mm. to the shop kid that you know just started there how to basically profile customers Uh and this would be for this level this level this level that's not real that's not real 
Um, no, <laughs> especially with like goggles and helmets, you, you get it the most, you know, it's like, well, I don't ski that often. I mean, do I, I mean, or like, I'm just a beginner, like where are your beginner helmets? And, and, and I know that sounds really weird to say out loud, but we get that question all the time from huh. people who are not from America. You know, it's like, oh, I, I want a be, I want a beginner helmet. And you're like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't really make thing. any sense. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> you know, they just want to have the best product for them and just get them in that stuff. The Ski Monster is not going to sell every product to everybody. We're kind of all in this thing together and just do everybody a solid and be honest with them and sell them something they're going to have fun on and want to keep doing this. And it will make everybody's lives infinitely better. Hmm. Well, now if I keep reading reports about how we aren't getting new people into the sport, I know who to come after and I'm going to show 100%. up in Boston and kick your asses because if, if you guys aren't, if you guys aren't making it happen, you know, we got a problem here. Yeah. So Fair. you've been warned. One more question. Cause we kind of get some comments ourselves at blister along these lines, but you know, and we're kind of going through like these, our ski quiver selections right now on the website and it's not frequent, but we will kind of invariably get though like one or two comments every year that thinks like because we are located in the Rocky Mountains we can't possibly be relevant to like someone who lives and skis on the east coast and i guess what i'm curious to ask you here is in your experience talk a little bit about like if you want to put it this way east coast gear versus like Rocky Mountain gear versus West Coast gear. Do you guys think about this or see this, get these kind of questions? Well, I, I mean, it's all the same gear, right? I mean, for the most part. I mean, we, we've had so many days that we're, we're out West skiing, testing things, whether it's like a, a structured uh, demo or it's us on new stuff that we're trying, we're trying to test out. And it, it's a groomer day. I mean, we're skiing groomers. You know, you and can I, be on the Powder Highway skiing rumors. Yes, yeah, possible. You can, one hundred percent. The, I mean, the corduroy no, highway. highway. <laughs> yeah. The groomer highway. Yeah. You remember on the corduroy highway, wearing corduroys? <laughs> so sick. sick. <laughs> um, and that's and that's true. You know, and it's like, all right, we'll, we'll, let's structure this trip. Let's bring these skis. This is how we're gonna kind of go about it, with the hopes of getting, you know awesome conditions and that doesn't always work out that way and i'm yeah. sure you see that too in in crescent view you're like you know, yeah we're testing stuff but it's not always a blower day you didn't it's not always awesome like we're still skiing variable snow a lot of the time but you know with the the, the marketing that uh skiing puts out you know the those rare conditions are really showcased so often that it seems like it's often like it's all the Got time it. And groomers are real. That's uh, it's a lot of groomer days. Ski yeah. acting is also very real. <laughs> Ski acting? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Say you're more. At a couple of them. I mean, you're cut, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're out trying to get shots, some you know action shots. You know, you you, you got you got to charge, and it's like you know, do a left footer right here, throw some snow up. Wow, blower day. You know, that was one. Turn. That was a lot of work. One that turn, turn. blower. Yeah. <laughs> That, that shot's going to make the trail map next year. That <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's just interesting. And, you know, like today, like we, we're testing front side skis now. So all we did today, three of us were out, you know, swapping between some, some front side skis and we didn't leave groomers today. So I don't know. I, uh, I do sometimes wonder if some of the people who leave these comments, it's like, have you ever skied anywhere else? Or like, you know, uh, or do you, have you literally nailed it every single time you've gone out West? Cause I have, I right. miss almost every time. <laughs> As somebody who lives out <laughs> west haunted. and skis there like a lot, it's just this idea that every day is sort of blower. I, I just, uh, I guess the the ski acting it just shows how effective it's been. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, even just us in our own little small little world of Ski Monster and the things that we we try to do to get content, you know. And it's like, okay, wow, it hasn't snowed in. X amount of days we need to go hike over here. Oh, here. Okay. Lighting's good. All right. Just go as fast as you can for like <laughs> 200 yards and then just throw a right footer and like got the shot. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's not just us. Everybody does it. it, but it's just kind of funny because it does work. You need to make, I mean, like I'm just on social media, you know, you want to get some engagement on the post. You have to have something that looks unique and you know, when all you've had is groomer shot after groomer shot for 10 days. And there's this like fresh snow right over here. And there's a little patch like the size of this clothing rack I'm looking at. You make a turn right there. <laughs> Another thing that if, if people go to the ski monster.com website, they're going to see this statement made several times. You guys really bang the drum about how you are actually skiing and demoing and testing the stuff you carry. I'd like to hear you talk a bit about that. I, I mean, I just, I think you guys say it more than, I mean, a lot of shops out there. And so tell us what that means or what that process looks like. Well, you know, I think, and, you know, in this conversation we've had thus far, a lot of it has been about um, just Eric and I. And there's another two dozen people that are here that really are full time. And, uh, we've invested, um, a lot of, uh, just a lot in, you know, we want, um, anyone that comes in or calls or emails, live chats, whatever, to have a good experience with that person. And the best way to do that is to get them out on uh, product. And honestly, we did a much better job of it this last season is not just being on different product, but doing it all in different outerwear. Um, and documenting it and documenting it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, a lot of those cool trips that we had towards the end of the season got cut short. Like everybody's trips got cut short, but we had a really fun trip plan. We were going to, we had everything booked to fly the entire staff to Aspen Highlands for closing weekend. And, um, that was going to be, you know, four days of the whole staff skiing together on different gear, testing product. We had everything lined up to be out there and then all in different outerwear kits and everything that got canceled. And that was going to be like the really cool trip of the year. But there's all these little ones that happen that, you know, to kind of what we were just talking about, like the less glamorous side of the, the marketing where we don't talk about every 
trip that happened at Cannon Waterville, um, even some of the dealer trips we go on to, you know, Utah, Washington, whatever, not everything is talked about. And like when customers ask what we ski on, literally like our whole season for everyone that works here is skiing on different product. None of us. I mean, we're given skis like um, you are too. Like, you know, like sure, Blizzard, Nordica, Fisher, whoever, they all send us skis. But you never, I mean, for us, it's harder to use them all the time. We end up just being on this thing where, okay, we're going to go ski on, you know, these 10 skis here, these 10 here, these 10 here, whatever. And the next thing you know, the whole season, we've had everyone on 80 different skis. And not just us two or AP, um, who did Powder Magazine test for the first time this year. Yeah. We did free skier. And then there's the regional demos, and then there's all the stuff we do on our own. I mean, everything is a, a ski test, every single trip out. And that translates into, you know, what we what we buy and, and what we carry and, and what, what our selection looks like. And not only does it help with, obviously, awesome stuff that we, you know, believe in and, and, and are, are getting behind, but also everyone that's here, you know, talking to, to customers, you know, talking to each other, you know, they've all experienced what, what it's like to, to test a lot of skis. And, and it's important in our business. It's it 100% have to get on the product and you have to know, you know, what's good. Why is it good or what's bad? And why is it not as good as, as the other thing? I mean, it's, it's, it's critical. And an interesting eye-opening thing for us this season was we focused more so this last season on women's ski testers, where before it would be mainly just our bunch where, you know, everyone is of pretty equal ability. And on our women's ski test side, it's a, a pretty wide range from former U.S. ski team to um, recreational. And what was really crazy about that, as we as seasoned ski testers are watching them, the skis that they enjoyed best were all the same. What they looked best on were all the same. And their reviews of that might be different because of some biases they might have in the past. But watching them like from like a, a coach perspective or whatever, you know, I, I kind of thought more about like Bodie Miller's phrase in the Lindsey Vaughn documentary, a good ski is a good ski. And like we, we watched very different skiers perform better and ski great and also not say this thing's wimpy or this is too much. They think it's freaking awesome. So I think that's – that's not something that's talked about in reviews as much as it probably should be. Yeah. When something is good, it's it doesn't mean it's good for just experts necessarily. It could be good for all. It could be an accessible ski. It's not like I think some people think that just because an expert likes it, that means that it's impossible for maybe this person that isn't very accomplished to – I mean they couldn't like it. And there's a lot of crossover now. Agreed. And yeah, we definitely think this really comes down to skiing style and sort of finesse skiers versus powerful skiers and how much do you weigh and where do you ski. And there's so much preference that gets brought into this that has very little to do, you know, with like your, whether you're a newbie skier or whether you're a, you know, been skiing for your whole life. 
Um, so we've certainly, I mean, there definitely are some products where we're like, if you are not like a pretty big, powerful skier, this is not going to be the best product for you. We're seeing more, especially in skis, if we're just keeping this to snow sports right now, there are more skis being made now, I think it's fair to say, that have a broader performance envelope or broader performance spectrum than like ever before. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, because it's, it's kind of crazy like how, um, you know, there are – this, this was not the case when we started in this business at all, but it is very possible for beginners to be – you know, beginner intermediates to be on an awful lot of $600, $650 skis. And prior, they would be on $399 system skis. Um, I mean, the perfect example is, is the Black Pearl. I mean, I think we yeah. all agree with, with yeah. that. I mean, I mean, that, I mean that's is, that is the benchmark. You yeah. know, it's like how many women skiers can ski on that ski and, and have a great day. You know, yeah. Almost all. <laughs> it's crazy. And what's what's pretty crazy with the black pearl is for 2021 they that ski kept the more beginner intermediate skier happy while allowing the more expert level skier to think this is pretty awesome i can ski on this they turn the ski up without like this is just kind of a new concept i guess it's it's an approachable ski that can rip it's so accessible and so many people can ski on it. And the most expert level chick can absolutely shred. It's, it's a badass ski. But kudos to, you know, they, they kind of crush it. They, I mean, they understand that that ski just touches such a broad range of women's skiers and they can sell a ton of them, which they do. Yeah. Next question. It has to be asked these days. What are you guys doing in this era of covid how has that switched up your day-to-day -day operations world changed in march like it did for everybody and um that was still at a very busy point in the season for us and um we uh closed the store down and online was still going eric and i came in to ship uh packages out i literally live right across the street from the store huh so not that big a deal. Eric lives 300 feet further away. <laughs> so not that big a deal. And, uh, um, which was kind of fun. Honestly, it was like the first time we've done that, you know, in a, in a, in a couple seasons where we're like, it was just George and I alone, nobody here picking orders, hmm. taping boxes. It was like, man, yeah. Back to our roots. Hmm. Still, have, <laughs> still have the same program for shipping a Griffin. It's kind of funny how you have a, you, you, you haven't like, lost your technique. Memory hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, we had like, I don't know how many hundreds of hours of conversations about how we were going to reopen and really rethinking ab about our business. And unfortunately, you haven't uh, been here, but this place in seasons past has been incredibly busy peak season, you know, where, you know, it would be not uncommon for there to be on a busy evening during the week or on the weekends, over 150 people in here. We used all, you know, all of our energy, you know, when we started Ski Monster Boston, obviously we, there was a lot of things that went into that, but you know, most importantly is that, you know, we just try to get people to show up, right? It's a new store. It's a new, it's a new place to buy equipment. 
how do we get people to come here? And we did everything in our power to get people here. And, and you know, thankfully and luckily it, it worked out. But as we kind of, you know, grew over the last five years, we didn't really do anything to manage the, manage the flow, right? Ma- manage the chaos that became after Thanksgiving through the end of February. Um, and it, I mean, that's a good problem to have. I, I, so I'm thankful for that. But we didn't really put anything into place because we weren't really prepared for that. It, it got to a point where we were we weren't giving we we were no longer the experience that we really set out for. We kind of we grew beyond that. It was a goofy growing pain where we got um, we had more we bit off more than we could chew. So we literally took you know part of the you know COVID deal and flattened the curve and. I mean, we needed to do the same thing. We would have surges at night and then on the weekends. How do we figure out how to get people to come in here, you know, at 11 o'clock or 8 o'clock? Or how do we get them to come in here at 6 a.m.? Or on a Tuesday at 1 p.m. instead of having, you know, five or six people deep waiting for your assistance on Saturday at 1 p.m., you know? I mean, because that's a crappy experience. And, you know, like, I think it gets forgotten in this world that we live in. So, you know, ski retailers, please listen. We sell incredibly expensive stuff. If you went to a restaurant and spent $1,500, you would expect an incredible experience. It is not hard to spend $1,500 in a ski shop. That's an Enforcer 100, a Griffin, and a 130 Flex Boot. That's pretty fucking normal. Yeah. And we treat that $1,500, I'm speaking for the ski industry as a whole, like that isn't special. And you know, unfortunately, I love this, I love this point. It, it's a really good like, one. You know, like, uh, um, my wife took me out for dinner for my birthday last year for chef's table. That was 1300 bucks less than the setup. I just talked about. That was awesome. That was 1300 courses, wine pairings. Everyone had a good time. An experience that you, awesome. right. that you talk time. about, you know, like, Oh my gosh, remember that time? Oh right. my, it was so great. And the, here we are doing that setup. 10 times and it's like, Oh, no big thing. It's like, well, that's not that, that, that doesn't do it justice. That's garbage. So now we have these people that are waiting in line or they can't get this thing or they're not getting the attention or they're not getting the stoke or they can't romanticize it all this thing. This is absolute garbage. Like this is a trash experience. Um, and you know, like there's a lot of other things that I, I really feel like we do well, like the art that's in here, the, I mean, we have DJs that play in here. We invested money in a sound system this year so it would sound better. You know, like like we sell exciting stuff. Let's make it freaking awesome. Um, so, like, the move to appointment only was um, – it's, it's embarrassing that it took us COVID to do this. Uh, but it's a better experience for everybody. And now – the person that's actually excited about this um, is getting the attention they deserve because the most excited people in this industry, I really feel like are the most neglected. They're just, they, they don't know how to express that they're super into it and they just need to be given the time of day. And by being appointment only, and we're appointment only for everything. It's not just boot fitting. You want to shop for a helmet, you need to book an appointment. So, you're given the time of day. If you come and book that thing, we are devoting our attention to you. Um, if that's too much for you, 
you can order online, we'll deliver it to you, or you can do curbside pickup. That's cool. You know, making people feel special and, you know, it, whatever conversation they need to have uninterrupted, they oh, come yeah. in here more focused and we're more focused. We take bookings 30 days out. Maybe we've had an email string for the last 20 days about this thing. Cool. That's not unreasonable. I mean, y- you could, like, uh, a-, a busy day, right? I mean, that's essentially the cost of an incredibly expensive wedding. There would be emails back and forth prior to that. You would want to talk about what's making this special. It's all. Uh, by the way, I love I love this. And this has actually been a recurring theme among a number of the shops that we've talked with on Gear 30 everybody is interested in this moving to appointment. And Sebastian Steinbach at Black Sheep Sports in Munich talked about this. And we've talked about this with respect to other shops, but the moving to appointment largely has been touched on in terms of it just works better logistically. And I really appreciate that you guys are talking here about elevating the experience. And because that that resonates with me personally, because that was such a big part of why I started Blister in the first place. I always say it. I'm like, this gear is expensive. Why the hell couldn't I find better product information about such expensive product? That's bullshit. It is. Right? It is. It's yeah. fucking crazy. And, you know, and so that was, so hearing you talk about, yeah, that excitement, if you went and had that once-in-a-lifetime dinner, <laughs> that would be less expensive than the person who just happens to walk into a ski shop trying to get a setup. And right. that we maybe are fail like we might lose sight of that sometimes, and we, we absolutely should not lose sight of that. Right, and like we said earlier in this podcast, you know, like it's a race to the bottom for a lot of people, and like that's such a shitty experience. Yeah. Like what's so great about that? Skiing, as, as what we like to, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's super fun. We, we want to be a part of this, this whole thing and going down to a $199 boot is, is not necessarily a great experience when you purchase it. Like, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not fun. And you know, like I, I think one thing that's gotten lost in some of these, you know, second and third generation shops, which there are far too many of, uh, their grandparents or parents understood this, but it's gotten lost over the generations. Um, they want to have a good time. Like, you know, for the people we sell to, there is, you know, the people that walk in here or we talk to on the phone from other places, they're really busy. They're, tr- they, I mean, in some cases, they may be even busier now with having their kids work uh, virtual school. They're working remotely. There's all these other layers when they want to go have a good time. They want to make sure that time is good. They want to have the best product for that. Just give them that. They don't want to have a mediocre experience. You know what? Like McDonald's is good sometimes, but like no one raves about, I mean, I'm eating it every day. Except George. Wait, I think George is having a change of heart. He's like, actually, I love McDonald's. Actually, you know what? Double Double cheeseburgers are pretty good. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) bad example. That was a bad example. I've never used that one before. But uh, and and then it comes down to like our, you know, the staff and and how much you know the staff is 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 stoked because now instead of like 
showing up on a Saturday and there's like, you know, 12 people looking at him for yeah. a fit. It, they're like, oh, you, you're now, hey, I have my schedule right here. I got a full day, but I, I know what's coming, how it's going to go. You know, this is, this is going to be great, you know, and, and, they, and they can provide the consumer with a, a fantastic experience with great knowledge and hopefully awesome equipment at the end of the day. And, and they don't feel like they're getting their ass kicked. And, you know, like to, to, to go on something you just said is the, the way this industry is kind of set up is Eric and I get invited to an awful lot of things that we don't go to or we kind of shift the invite in um, maybe a way that the manufacturers aren't happy with. It's in order for us to scale up at the Ski Monster and basically give more customers a better experience, more staff has to get on this stuff in different regions of the world. And, you know, it's not called George and Eric's Ski Shop. It's the Ski Monster. It's larger than us. And... um, and it's important to make sure that everybody is on the same page with that. And when the, when the customer comes in and they have a conversation with that person about their boots and their skis, they can feel good about talking to somebody who is, oh, man, like, yeah, I was just out in this particular place testing skis with Jonathan at Blister, having the time of my life. You know, oh, holy shit, really? Yeah, I'll take it. Like, you know, and, and, it, and it, makes every, it makes the whole thing, you know, an awesome experience. And it, both for the consumer and for, you know, the person that's helping out with, with their equipment. So, yeah. So, so far, and I guess so, to round that out, but so far, so good. Appointments, appointment only is, 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 is a great thing. And, and everyone seems to be, be digging it. Well, George and Eric, I have kept you for quite a while now and I'm impressed. It's 10:45 PM Eastern time. You guys still, you still look good uh, at this hour. This has been really fun, and I love the fact that we kind of wrapped on this notion that we have got to remember that skiing is a really cool thing and ought to be one of those things that like when we're all on our deathbeds and trying to think through the best days of our lives, that for people who are passionate about this sport, we're probably all going to be thinking about a lot of these moments that we've had you know, clicked into skis. And I really appreciate the fact that you kind of drove home that point about like, let's make this a special thing and an, a special occasion and an event for customers coming in. And I think that's something that everybody in the snow sports industry would do well to keep in mind. Totally. 100%, man. If you're willing to pop bottles of champagne, you got to buy dope skis. It's true. 100%. It's true. What's the point of popping champagne if you're not skiing champagne, pal? I mean, unless you're skiing on the Groomer Highway. I mean, right. I, th- I think I think I was like the first time I went to to Aspen, Colorado. I was like, what, twenty three, maybe yeah. something like that. And, and we walked up. It, you and I were together, and we got off the plane. And I was like, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. And then we walk, we get to so the cab drops us off, and we walked up to the to the gondola, and right there. What's that? What's what's the little that little awesome little spot like? Oh, right? Ajax Tavern. Ajax Tavern, and we walked up, and it was like, mm, 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 mm. and I look over, and some guy is just like spraying champagne in the air, and I was like, "Yo, how come no one told me this place was here?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, "This is it. This is. I mean, I'm coming back here. This I live here now, which of course I don't, but." I've been right. back a bunch since, and it's in, and I love Aspen, and that was my first experience. And this has been a great time. Hmm. And Jonathan, thank you very much for having us. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so this is this is this is awesome, and, I, and uh, we really 
appreciate coming on. Well, yeah. And we're going to get you out to Crested Butte at some point. And uh, it'd be fun to come see you guys. And um, 100%, man. We're down. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good to talk. And uh, we'll do it again real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Man. All right. Well, it is now time for our segment, What We're Celebrating This Week. It is now exactly 1241 a.m. Mountain Time. So it's now technically Friday. I think this workday might end at some point. But to help it end, I'm holding a bottle of Whistlepig Farmstock Rye, bottled in barn. And this is their number three edition. Like I said, it's been a really long day. And I am breaking out for the first time their number three edition of the farm stock. It's another pretty big whiskey. So like I do with the Whistlepig 10-year rye, I've got a big cube in there. Not afraid to mix that up with a little bit of, you know, melted ice. And it's delightful right now. But it's a pretty big one. So if smooth, smooth is your jam, you probably still want to head toward the 12. But if you don't mind putting a cube in your whiskey or you're just tougher than I am, get yourself the 10, get yourself the farm stock, and celebrate the end of a long workday. Anyway... This week, what we are celebrating is snow groomers. You know, those awesome people who get out there in big old pieced caterpillars or snow cats and create sweet carvable corduroy for all of us. It has been super fun ripping around on the canvases that they all create for us. And so now I'm going to raise my glass of this farm stock rye to you, snow groomers, you loners of the night. You are the heroes of chairlift riders and wannabe hip draggers everywhere. Cheers to you, snow groomers. Okay, and that brings us to the end of another edition of Gear 30. If you are enjoying these conversations, then be sure to subscribe to Gear 30 and you know, leave us that five-star rating in iTunes and tell your friends about Gear 32, but maybe not those dumber ones that you had to tell about spot injury insurance. And we have not forgotten about the Telemark stuff. We owe you a video. We know this. I frankly just want a bit more snow on the ground to like just lighten the crash basically is what I'm hoping for. It's dumb, but yeah, we're, we're doing it for sure. We're not going to weasel out of that one. Then I also want to say thanks to George and Eric for this conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you actually again tomorrow over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast. We're doing another Saturday release of Bikes and Big Ideas, where among other things... Noah Bodman reviews Parenthood. That's right. You're going to get a review on Parenthood. And we're also going to talk about carbon wheels and a new helmet that Noah has been testing that's quite interesting. And we're also going to talk about some fairly big enduro forks. So that will drop on Saturday. That's Bikes and Big Ideas. Check that one out too. Okay, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you real soon.